Welcome to a very special edition of the Dunamis Word Broadcast. I am your host, Pastor Harvey Burnett. Today we're going to be examining the recent statements made by Bishop Noel Jones. Does he still believe in oneness? Is he a Trinitarian believer now? I don't know. There seems to be much confusion over the issue, but I think that I have a powerful word for you today. Stay tuned. We're going to spend some time on this one. As I look back over my life, I have been misunderstood. All the good and the bad have come from my good. Never gave much thought what others have to say about me. Listen, no matter what you're going through, no matter what you're facing, the Lord has an answer. He has a solution for your problem and for whatever that you're dealing with. We have confidence that God will be there for you just when you need him. I don't know. That was special delivery to someone listening to this broadcast. But this is a special edition of the Dunamis Word. And I thought to do this because recently um, Bishop Noel Jones, very popular uh, preacher and dynamic preacher who has gone uh, around the country, made the conference circuit from coast to coast. Very popular pastors, over 17,000 members at his home church in uh, California, uh, recently made certain statements regarding um, his belief in uh, what some have deemed the Trinity um, as probably from uh, if you've read the blog, you see that uh, I am somewhat critical of the statements that Bishop Jones uh, has made. I do not believe that he made uh, Trinitarian uh, affirming comments, however, uh, and I'm going to undertake the task of of kind of going over those particular points in detail and allow you uh, to hear Bishop Jones as he explains himself Personally, now I've written some things out uh, on the blog, but some people have indicated that they want uh, to hear the uh, inflection 
of the bishop's voice, and that's fine. So uh, we are uh, endeavoring to educate you and bring you up to speed on this free uh, podcast that's available on the site of www.bethelburnett.blogspot.com. Uh, additional contact information will be contained at the end of today's broadcast. But there's a few things I want to do first uh, as we begin to embark upon this subject. You know, the nature of God is always hailed as a very complicated, uh, uh, intricate and deep subject, which it is. Uh, Certainly is not easy, but the nature of God is apprehendable. Uh, One thing that we must understand when we're dealing with this subject uh, because many people begin um, talking about the nature of God, the identity of God, the Father uh, from Scripture, as if it is a fatalistically um, undeterminate uh, type thing. In other words, we can't really know uh, the nature of God. We can't really fully understand it. And that particular statement that we can't fully understand it, I would agree with wholeheartedly. But our understanding is not what is required for us to um, to submit to God or to even follow him. Our apprehension of truth is what is required. Uh, There are many things about God that, no, we do not fully understand. We cannot comprehend those things. Uh, The Trinity and Trinitarian belief uh, is one of those things that we cannot fully comprehend. You would expect as much from a uh, uh, infinite God that finite beings such as ourselves cannot fully comprehend him and cannot fully uh, you know, understand him with our finite minds. Uh, however, that does not leave us out of the box or out of the loop. We can, however, apprehend the Lord. The Trinity is one of those subjects that we must simply accept because this is how God has described himself within Scripture. And I'm going to share uh, certain aspects of God's description about himself uh, within scripture. Um, I'm going to share that with you today and contrast that to uh, what uh, Bishop Noel Jones has said about the description of God. So there are many subjects that can only be apprehended. God said it, whether we understand it or not, we must endeavor to accept it. We can study it. We can look at it. Listen, God has spoken. We can but prophesy. All we can do is talk about what he said, even if we cannot fully understand it. But this subject is not fatalistically beyond our apprehension. Um, We may not comprehend it fully, but we can apprehend the word of God. So let no teacher uh, tell you that, oh, this is just so far beyond us that we, you know, whatever we come up with is just acceptable. No, that is unacceptable. We must come up with precepts of Scripture based upon what the Scripture actually says. If we don't fully comprehend it, that's a secondary story. But at least let's be accurate in our uh, relaying of truth and in our understanding when we begin to set forth certain subject matter. 
Another uh, premise that I want to deal with um, is the premise that intellectualism is the hindrance in understanding things like this from Scripture. Uh, many people, um, especially those whose understanding is challenged when it comes to the Trinity, um, try to say that, well, all of that smartness doesn't mean anything. You need the spirit as if the spirit will make up for the lack of knowledge or for the deficit in understanding that one has. And we know that God can speak and God will speak. Certainly God will sustain uh, and he will um, uh, help us to learn things beyond our capacity or what we thought was our capacity. The fact of the matter is, is that intellectualism is not a threat to anything that God has said and or done for as much as a person is willing to think, give themselves to study, give themselves to understanding. God is that much more willing to feed. He is that much more willing to open up and he is that more, much more willing uh, to provide answers. Knowledge is our friend. We need to know that knowledge is a friend to those of us who are seeking the Lord from a spiritual point of view. Now there are more resources than ever for us to fulfill our knowledge of God. We want to know something. There are resources there for us to call upon. And not all of those resources are wrong resources. You have to be spiritually led into many of the resources. But God is yet speaking and using individuals to speak and pronounce his word and to set forth certain declarations of truth that you need to know and you can apprehend those things and comprehend those things with your intellect. Your intellect, uh, I believe the UNCF says, a mind is a terrible thing to waste. Well, a spiritual mind is a terrible thing to waste. Don't waste it. Those who are particularly prayerful and seek the knowledge of the Lord are positioning themselves for a greater work. When you give yourself to seeking and understanding what God is saying, you are positioning yourself for a greater work of God. Uh, so I wanted to deal with those two things. The third thing that I wanted to deal with is many of the false premises surrounding uh, this subject. One of the false premises that we hear often over and over is that somehow the Council of Nicaea uh, was responsible for establishing the Trinity and Trini Trinitarianism and rejecting what is now known as uh, modalism and Sabellianism. Um, but I want you to know that, number one, the Council of Nicaea understood the fact that Jesus was divine. That was not in, in question. Uh, many of the critics outside of Christianity have said that uh, the divinity of Jesus was ascribed to him at the Council of Nicaea in 325 A.D. Nothing further from the truth. I mean, they've written books, the Da Vinci Code, uh, Ad Nauseum Infinitum. Uh, they come up with all kinds of resources and saying that that Jesus was not divine, wasn't even considered to be divine until Nicaea in 325 A.D. The only problem with that is that we have writings from uh, at least 50 A.D., uh, even some before that. Um, I think we have fully developed creeds from 
shortly after Jesus's death that affirm his divinity. So that argument would the counter argument would hold some weight if it were even close to being true. Um, <laughs> but it's not, as you can see. Uh, so Nicaea, what happened at Nicaea? Nicaea affirmed how the scripture taught that Jesus was divine. That's number one. And the second thing primarily that Nicaea did was uh, defeat or overcome the hearsay, what became known as the hearsay, uh, the hearsay of Arius. Now, Arius was a teacher that taught that Jesus was a lesser God. And when I say lesser God, that Jesus was not created before the world began and that he was uh, not eternal with the father. Uh, Arius taught that Jesus was created ex nihilo, that he was created out of nothing. But yet alone, Jesus was a created being. Uh, this was a heresy because the Bible taught and teaches that Jesus is eternal. And as we go into this study, which will probably take a couple of segments to complete, uh, we will talk about that and explain and expound uh, uh, on the eternality of Jesus. But according to Arius, Jesus didn't share the same divine nature as a father. He shared a divine nature, but it was not the same. Now, there are groups that believe this today. One of the most popular groups is Jehovah's Witness, uh, which is a group, actually, that according to uh, ABC News is growing uh, in number. In fact, their um, uh, their uh, membership is up about four point four percent this year in just 2011, up about four point four percent they're increasing in numbers uh, that comes out to about 50,000 people around the country but the membership of the Jehovah's Witness is increasing but uh, they believe Jesus is a lesser God he would be a God with a small g uh, another group that would hold that same or same type of thing that Jesus is a created being would be the Mormons uh, those young fellows that come to your house and they're riding their bikes and they just tell you, hey, we're here to talk about Jesus Christ. And 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 we want to leave this Book of Mormon here with you at the same time and, you know, go through things like that. And they, you know, uh, tell you that you should have a burning in the bosom uh, when they leave their book with you. And you should read that uh, so you can experience that. And that way you'll know the truth. Well, they don't believe that Jesus was pre-existent with the father or eternal and this is a straight um what i want to say uh, um, uh, straight out of the teachings of arianism in fact remember that both of those churches say that um, the original church did not exist before they came. The original church was out of existence, that uh, they had to restore the church, the Jehovah's Witness, the Watchtower as a true prophet to the earth and the Mormons as a true priesthood, that they had to restore the truth because the truth had been um, uh, covered up by the Catholic Church. And there was no truth in the earth until um, uh, Charles Taze Russell came, I suppose, and and Joseph Smith of the Mormons came and uh, they restored truth to the earth. 
And basically what they did was followed after the heresy of Arius. And uh, so that's how that was reinstituted. So Nicaea did not, um, what I want to say, deal with Trinitarian belief in that sense of respect. Um, However, the framework of the Bible had already been laid down and had already been acknowledged by the teachers, leaders and preachers uh, that were there at the Council of Nicaea. Now, with all of that said, we want to get into our program today and we want to discover just exactly what Bishop Noel Jones said. And uh, first of all, I have a little clip that I want to play for you where uh, Dr. Jones uh, says that he's going on record. Well, he is going on record and he explains uh, himself in this uh, brief clip. Uh, talking about uh, the nature of God and describing God as God has been revealed to him or as that he has studied and found through Scripture. Listen to this. I want to go on record. The Father, the Father in the Godhead, the Father is nothing but spirit. He is all spirit. There is no flesh with the Father. The Son is spirit and flesh. That's why the scripture says the spirit was given to him without measure. measure. Right. Because the spirit that runs through Jesus Christ is the Father. There is only one spirit in the Godhead. There ain't three of them. The Holy Spirit is the spirit of God that functions within human beings, draws human beings, overshadows human beings, and operates in human beings. And that is why the Spirit overshadowed Mary. The Holy Spirit overshadowed Mary. Well, I want to be quick to say that, number one, this interview was not conducted by me. It was actually conducted by a gentleman from Cleveland, uh, Ohio, um, and on AM radio AM 1000 and uh, Bishop Jones was a special guest on that particular program. Um, as you can see, he started off with the, uh, I want to go on record and he introduced a couple of problems. Number one, he said that the nature of God basically uh, described by Bishop Jones was that the father, number one is all spirit. And that the father is distinct from Jesus because Jesus was a flesh spirit mixture. You heard him for yourself. And that third, the Holy Ghost is identified by his operation upon men and um, even individuals. Um, Now, (laughs) there's quite a few problems with Bishop Jones's statement. And I'll just try to be as concise as possible. This is going to be probably a two program Uh, maybe even a three-program series here. Uh, But first of all, the whole premise is an egregious error uh, scripturally. Uh, Number one, we have to ask, what is a spirit-flesh mix? What is a spirit-flesh mixture? Um, This is not a biblical description of the earthly Jesus. 
Jesus is, the Bible describes him as the anthropist. In other words, God, man. He is 100% God and 100% man. He is not a God, man mix or a spirit man mix. He is 100% God and 100% man. Um, Jesus is not like um, a pitcher of Kool-Aid and sugar and water. You just mix them up and then you have something unique. Uh, that is not how Jesus is described in the Bible. In fact, this is a ridiculous uh, notion and one that really kind of startled and surprised me when I heard uh, the bishop say this. Um, but nevertheless, to teach a mixture uh, that uh, God flesh or spirit flesh mixture is to teach a heretical doctrine also. So that is no place close to how Jesus has um, revealed himself within the word. Secondly, the father in Jesus and the Holy Ghost are eternal. Uh, this is one God eternally existent in three persons. Listen, Jesus, the book of John, chapter one, verse one, which even precedes Genesis, chapter one, verse one, um, states that Jesus was what? In the beginning with God. Um, we also see that John one verse two shows that Jesus was the architect of all creation. What does the scripture say? I mean, it, it can't be um, too much more clear. In fact, I'll read it for you as soon as I can uh, turn to it. You would have thought I had already uh, turned to it and ready for the cast. But I've got so many things that I'm looking at and looking through here. But the scripture just simply states in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God in the beginning was the word and the word was with God. There's a duplicity in relationship. There's a relationship of spatial relationship. The word was with God and the word was God with and was. Uh, there's a duplicity within this scripture. The same was in the beginning with God. The same that word was in the beginning with God. Uh, so the nature of, of, of Jesus here uh, shows or the scripture shows that the nature of Jesus is that he is eternal. He didn't come into existence at any particular point in time. And that's one of the problems um, that we have with modalism as a teaching itself. It teaches that Jesus came into existence in the church or when God put on flesh. But no, Jesus was eternal. He was before the church was created, before mankind. Uh, he was in the beginning with God, as the scripture has said. Um, so this was before Jesus existed, actually, before he took upon himself the limitations of flesh. Uh, secondly, we see the spirit present within and upon the creation of God also. In Genesis uh, chapter 1, verse 2, we see the spirit of God. It moved upon the face of the waters. It shamad. It hovered there upon the face of the waters. Bishop Jones describes um, 
uh, the, the distinction that Bishop Jones described is a distinction based on functionality. And this is another problem um, with his exposition of the nature of God. Contrary to his assertion, we find that the distinction and identification and revelation of God to his creation is based upon relationship. The scripture describes Jesus as having a will and the father as having a will. In John four thirty four, you will see Jesus say that my meat is to do the will of him that sent me and to finish his work. In other words, my will is to do the will of him that sent me. There's a relationship there based upon will. This creates personality. This is why we say one God eternally existent in three persons. The third element to this is the Holy Ghost. If you read Romans eight twenty six and 27, the Holy Ghost makes intercession for us. And uh, he has a mind. The Holy Ghost has a mind uh, that searches the hearts of men. Further, in Acts 5 and 3, Peter declares to Ananias and Sapphira that they had undertaken to lie to the Holy Ghost. Listen, as we will see in this study, you can't lie to a revelatory expression. You can't lie to a mode, but you certainly can lie to a very real God. Listen, saints, uh, I'm cutting off for this week, but I will see you in the next broadcast. May heaven smile upon you. You're in my transition. I know you're not ever waiting, make it.